Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everybody. You know what tonight is? It's Friday. Uh, and I know you've had a hard week. I know it's been long. And I'm so glad you decided to spend some time with me because I'm going to tell you what. You and I have both had a hard week. <laughs> But this is not about you and me tonight. This one's about Vince McMahon, because that guy had a brutal week. But you know what else? There's some people close to Vince McMahon who are about to have some bad, bad weeks. Because Vince McMahon is a hot potato. Uh, there's some really bad press circling around this feller after a lawsuit that is so dirty I can't even read it on TV and the allegations are they're his own words, text messages that are just like not safe for work, not safe for anywhere, the bus. I mean, but some of the squeakiest clean people have allied themselves with Vince McMahon. And even though he's like jumped the ship, right, he, he resigned because these allegations were so ugly and the text messages so dirty and filthy and disgusting and rapey. Um, the people who are standing next to him, it's been crickets. Like people like The Rock. I mean, those are, those are big names, right? Triple H and The Rock. These are, these are guys who have really big, important careers. And being with Vince McMahon at the very tippy top, um, that is, that doesn't, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Especially today. Because it's Friday for you and me, which is like, woo, the weekend. No, for Vince, it's Fed Day. <laughs> Fed Day means you're being investigated by the feds as of today. I've got the whole rundown of what it means and, and, and what it could mean for this long-standing wrestling family. And what it means for The Rock and Triple H. All those squeaky clean people who are not saying a word. Also, it was, it was a bad day for Ethan Crumbly's mother as well, the mother of the school shooter in Michigan who's on the stand because she's defending herself against his crime. This is like precedent setting. It's historic. Use any of the adjectives you want. But that lady up there on the stand, yesterday, it was not so hard. It was her own lawyer uh, in the checkered suit making all the uh, questions. Today it was the prosecution. <laughs> Talk about withering. Talk about sledgehammer. I've got the highlights for you. Uh, let, let's just start with this little piece. T take a look at this. You didn't know about the 9mm? Oh, I knew about it. Okay. You didn't know about the 22? I knew about them. And in fact, you posted on Instagram that he got himself a 22 Correct. in June of 2021. Correct. 
I knew about the nine millimeter. <laughs> That's not great. I guess you knew about it. Did you know what that nine millimeter was going to do in the hands of your son who said that he was like seeing demons and wanting to kill people? Is Jennifer Crumbly going to go to prison because of what that kid did? Her own kid? We haven't even gotten to the dad yet. And by the way, when he goes to trial, you and I are going to have a big old discussion about whether it's mom's fault always, or if maybe it's dad's fault sometimes. This is a huge question, and it's her defense too. Okay, let's, let's start here though, because things just got a whole lot worse for Vince McMahon today, like federal investigation worse. Feds just announced that they're looking into whether McMahon broke any federal laws in connection with that whole sex trafficking thing, all the allegations that were made against him last week. And according to one source, federal officials have already seized Vince McMahon's phone. And that is a really bad sign because the lawsuit said that so much of the dirty, gross, creepy, rapey, allegedly sickening stuff was texted. That's on a phone. So you would think that the WWE would be in full-fledged damage control right about now. Press conferences out the yin-yang, statements like dealer's cards. At the very least, you would think they would be distancing themselves from these toxic stories. They're swirling around the man who stepped down last week amid a tornado of filth. And when I say step down, it's actually the second time. Second time in two years that McMahon has stepped down amid some really steamy, dirty allegations that he uses the women of the WWE for his own sexual gratification, for the gratification of his colleagues and friends, and to sexually encourage wrestlers to sign the contract with my company. Can you hear it? Because you're hearing the same thing I'm hearing. It's called crickets. The organization has pretty much remained entirely silent despite the fact that this story has reached DEFCON Weinstein. Like it is not going to blow over anytime soon. And that is for multiple reasons. Let's start with numero uno, the nature of the allegations. Janelle Grant, the woman at the center of this lawsuit, is accusing McMahon and others of physical and emotional abuse, sexual assault, and sex trafficking. The claims that she makes are X-rated most of it spelled out in alleged text messages from Vince McMahon himself. They are not the kind of texts and details that can be swept under the rug. I'll just give you a quick summary, like G-rated. This is G-rated. This alleged gangbanging of Ms. Grant by, among others, Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis, another company exec. Alleged pimping of Ms. Grant out to encourage a wrestler named Brock Lesnar to sign with the WWE. So say newspaper reports that it's Brock even though she doesn't name Brock in the allegation. Alleged tag team raping her behind a locked office door and allegedly using wrestling action figures on her sexually until she was bleeding. Take a breath. Take a drink. Take a shower. Here's the second reason why this story's not going to go away. Vince McMahon's legacy. He is not just some random employee. Until he resigned last week, he was the executive chairman of the TKO Group. That's the, the, the big giant company that owns and operates the WWE and the UFC. The McMahon name is synonymous with pro wrestling and with the WWE. Vince's granddaddy 
Jess McMahon, started the whole family wrestling business. And Vince's daddy, Vince McMahon Sr., turned that business into the number one wrestling company. And then Vince McMahon Jr., uh, the fella at the heart of all of these filthy, dirty allegations, there's no question that Vince McMahon took this global. He took wrestling global. He ran with it, and he ran it with an iron fist ever since. His wife and his kids, they also worked there, even playing caricatures of themselves on the show. Mrs. McMahon, also known as Linda, she was with the WWE right up to the tippy top. Uh, and she was with that organization since the 80s until she ran for the U.S. Senate in 2009. Their marital status, by the way, I had to kind of like Google and search because I thought they were a split, but mm, it's still kind of in question. I think it's really in question after the lawsuit and the text messages on the allegations. Uh, his kids, they're named uh, Shane and Stephanie. They were also with the company until recently. Which brings me to something that wrestling fans recently noticed, and you might be one of them, a scripted storyline that, oh my God, does not age well, given the filth that came out in the allegations against Vince. I want you to listen real close now, because you're about to see a whole scene play out, a storyline with the WWE. Vince is in the ring, and he's yelling at his daughter, Stephanie. Wait a minute. I want you to give your mother another message for me. I want you to give your mother a message, and that is that soon after this divorce is final, there's going to be a new Mrs. McMahon. A voluptuous Mrs. McMahon, I'll guarantee it. A voluptuous Mrs. McMahon that can keep up with my sexual prowess. Uh-huh. Yeah. And by the way, Tell your mother that chances are the new Mrs. McMahon is going to be about your age. A couple minutes ago, I mentioned you should take a breath and a drink and a shower. Rinse and repeat. I'll remind you, he was talking about his sexual prowess to his daughter. I get it. It's a script. But here's the deal. It's a script about the family. They're not using stage names. It's Vince and Stephanie up there. And they're talking about Linda, Stephanie's mom, and his sexual prowess, and the new Mrs. McMahon, who's going to be voluptuous, and who's going to keep up with his sexual prowess, and who's going to be the same age as his daughter. Again, did I say it didn't age well? Okay, all of this brings me now to Stephanie's husband, the aforementioned Triple H, Vince's son-in-law. He is the head of creative for the WWE. The McMahon family has run this business for about 70 years, and the McMahon family has dictated the culture of this organization from the get-go. But there is a third reason that this controversy has legs. All of the other powerful people who are involved I want to show you a photograph taken at the New York Stock Exchange last week, January 23rd. Look close. I know you know those people. Vince McMahon and the other members of the TKO board were all there to ring the bell. Big, big deal. Five billion to put the wrestling show on Netflix. And look who's up on the stage with McMahon. Wrestler turned movie star Dwayne The Rock Johnson, along with the president of the WWE, Nick Khan, and the guy who owns the company that owns the WWE, superstar 
former Hollywood super agent Ari Emanuel. All of them knew something about the many allegations against McMahon over the years. But there they were just four days before McMahon resigned amid allegations, shoulder to shoulder, smiling, fist pump. Here's why we know that they knew something about the allegations, because we knew, you and me, and everybody else in the world, unless they lived under a rock. In 2022, Vince McMahon was publicly accused of paying $12 million to four women to suppress reports of sexual misconduct. He resigned, and the WWE opened up a year-long investigation at the end of that deep dive. They confirmed it. They confirmed that he indeed made those payments. And McMahon paid all the money back to the WWE. And lo and behold, this part I don't get. He was reinstated as the executive chairman. Oh, yeah, you did all this. We had to study you for a year and get $17 million with interest and all the rest back. But here's your job again. Come on back. All of those board members are going to face some really tough questions about what they knew and when they knew it, especially The Rock. Yes, he only joined the TKO board like a week ago. But his connection to the WWE and Vince McMahon, that goes back generations. If you did not know this, The Rock's grandfather... Peter Maivia, he wrestled for Vince McMahon, uh, the father. Vince McMahon, this guy, his dad. That was back in the 70s. And The Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson, wrestled for Vince in the 80s. And The Rock himself has been one of the biggest WWE stars in the 90s and beyond. But since joining the board, and since that filthy lawsuit was filed... The Rock's only comment has been about the price of the company's stock. Nothing else. Which brings me to the fourth reason that this story is not going to disappear. It's because of people like me. People like me who have a lot of questions. People like me who get pissed when this stuff is just nothing to see here. Bye-bye. Moving on. Business as usual. People like me who have a nightly talk show where I get to ask those questions out loud on the TV. I want to bring in someone who's got a lot of answers. It's Dave Meltzer. He's a very respected sports journalist covering pro wrestling and MMA. He's the editor of the Wrestling Observer. It's good to have you back, Dave. Feds today. I got one word, and it's wow. I was kind of wondering what your reaction was. I wasn't shocked. I mean, the, the, uh, we, knew, we knew about the investigation probably in uh, July, or at least the idea he was, his house was raided back in July. So, so it's been somewhat known. Um, I feel, you know, the story is so dirty and it's really sad that it's it's really sad that it's happened. I just um, it's, it's been really hard to like, uh, you know, it's just it's just very depressing. To, it's a story. It's very depressing to cover, honestly. And, and it's hard to get your your hands around it and your head around the the extent that it that the allegations, you know, suggest. So Ari Emanuel is is the king here. Is he, does he have to clean house? Does he have to wipe out the McMahons? Do the McMahons' name have to be wiped clean from the slate? I mean, we are really in Weinstein territory, and we all know what happened to Weinstein and his company. I mean, as far as, there's only one McMahon left in the company, and um, at this point, I think that we need to know more before we make any judgments about him. As far as Vince, it's, it's a tough thing because he's all over their archives, and, you know, I, like, you know, Netflix and, and Peacock and all that. It's like, do you really want some of that stuff like the footage that you've shown? Um, 
on, you know, available on your streaming service. Not, I'm not saying wipe out all the archives, but the archives with Vince, they age very badly right now. And um, it's very, you know, it's, it's a really tough thing. It's hard to scrub it because Vince is the history of the business. Vince is, has been the business. He's been synonymous with the business. So um, in trying, you know, I'm sure that they will probably not mention his name on television if almost never, if ever, um, you know, try to scrub him going forward. But all that stuff is there backwards. And, um, you know, he was the announcer for a lot of these clips, you know, for, and so it's a, so to totally scrub him, it's, it's a difficult, it's really difficult. It's, it's hard to do. I want to play something. I've played this before. I've asked you about it before, but now I'm seeing it in new light since the feds are involved, and that's Triple H, because he was asked about this whole disaster. And th- this was all he was prepared to give in public. Take a look at this clip. So I'm going to do exactly what you would expect me to do here. We just sold out the Royal Rumble, put 48,000 people in the Tropicana Field. Um, I choose to, to focus on the positive and... Yes, there's a negative, um, but uh, I, I want to focus on that and just keep it to that. Okay, well, since he mentioned the Royal Rumble, uh, Brock Lesnar, who is alleged to be the man in the lawsuit, who was, you know, Janelle Grant was allegedly pimped out to to get him to sign a contract. He was ripped out of the Royal Rumble. His merch is now on sale, like at a sale discount. Uh, he's been pulled right. from a WWE video game. And... You know, Triple H didn't say anything more, and The Rock has said nothing. So I want to get your take. I know, I know very little about the WWE, despite having been a, a watcher of wrestling with my dad since, since a kid. But what is going to happen to the kind of brand that The Rock has? And, and Triple H, like, what are they going to have to do to get clean from this? Because I feel like I need a shower. I think that it, I think that they need to really investigate this thing. And I know that they had an investigation, but I think that they need to go, you know, at, at the end and, you know, go public with it and let the people know what it is. And, and yeah, anyone who's found um, involved in any wrongdoing, they've got to be gone at this point. Um, and I don't know how how much that is. I mean, obviously, there's some the lawsuit. When you read the lawsuit, it's not like it's one or two people. And, uh, you know, but they, they need to get to the bottom of it. And not a corporate whitewashing thing. I mean, it needs to be it needs to be a thorough investigation. And I think that they need that they need to come clean with it. Not, you know, as far as like what there is, what they're going to do to change it. I think, you know, is Vince was the the whole catalyst of everything. So perhaps getting rid of Vince quells most of it. But but we have to find that out for sure. You know, I mean, that just, you know, yeah, okay, but Vince you know is, what? Miramar, cool. we don't know that. <laughs> it, it, or Miramax. Miramax was not going to survive uh, just because Harvey was, you know, going to go to trial. They, that's gone. Like it, the, the whole the whole brand is is dead. The business is dead. I do want to ask you this because I didn't realize that clip existed where Vince was screaming at his daughter about his sexual prowess and having another wife that could keep up with him and would be half his age and voluptuous, or half his daughter's age, or be his daughter's age. I found out from the fans. I found out from the Twitter account of a fan. So what are the fans saying um, at large about this, this whole dirty mess? You know, it just depends. There's, there are fans who are loyalists to the company, and they're just going to pretend none of it ever happened. Um, there's, there's, of, of course, there's people completely disgusted as well. You know, it, it really varies. And, and I think most level-headed people are going to look at at least the Vince McMahon aspect and go, yeah, it's uh, disgusting, and um, it, it, it creeps you out, creeps you out badly. Yeah. And, and you know what? 
They did an internal investigation last time, but the feds, that ain't internal. That's an external investigation. So I think, Dave, you and I are going to have to be on speed dial. Um, Methinks that there's going to be more uh, yet to hit the you-know-what fan. Thank you, Dave Meltzer. It's good to talk to you. Have a good weekend. Okay, you too. Thank you. You know, with so many um, women, women now hitting it big in the WWE, like Lita and the Bella Twins and Ronda Rousey, just to name a few, it kind of seems weird that they've all been quiet, right? That the female stars are not talking. However, one megastar did tell us that she is happy that the CD underbelly is finally being exposed, but she couldn't expose herself because she said it's my livelihood. But there's another woman, another WWE diva who may blow the doors wide open and it is possible this lady could do it from the grave. That's next. From New York City to the 30,000 inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vince McMahon's legal woes have fans and journalists alike doing a deep dive into the all, all the old accusations against both uh, Vince and against the WWE. Like, everybody's kind of rattling the skeletons that, that might be in those closets. Um, and as it turns out, there's one very curious affidavit that was filed by a former WWE wrestler named Ashley Massaro. In the filing, Massaro claims that back in 2006... She was traveling with the WWE to visit the U.S. troops in Kuwait. And while she was there, she says she was drugged and raped by an unnamed soldier. Massaro says she reported that attack to Vince McMahon himself, but claims that McMahon told her to keep it quiet because it would ruin the relationship that the WWE had with the military. It would be fascinating to hear Ashley Massaro's thoughts on the latest allegations against Vince McMahon of rape and trafficking, but I am sorry. I can't ask her. I can't because in 2019, Ashley Massaro took her life. When her claims against Vince McMahon were made public after her death, the WWE released a statement which reads in part, At no time was Vince McMahon or the management of WWE ever informed by Ashley Massaro or anybody else that she had been sexually assaulted, drugged, raped, or sodomized by a military doctor with a nurse standing guard while on a goodwill tour in 2007 to U.S. military bases in Kuwait. I'm joined by Ashley Massaro's former attorney, Constantine Kairos. Um, Constantine, thank you for being here. So the WWE says she never mentioned anything to them about this attack. Is there any kind of evidence uh, or contemporaneous reporting that suggests otherwise? Well, Ashley was in a lawsuit that was uh, part of a case that involved 63 other wrestlers, and they were alleging 
widespread abusive exploitative labor practices. And the reason that the that allegation um, was part of the lawsuit is because we were arguing that it was a totally unregulated workplace. And she had put that into a submission that was required by a federal judge in Connecticut. And it was a affidavit sworn under the penalties of perjury given to a federal judge. So, uh, you know, the military at that time didn't launch any sort of investigation because effectively the issue was covered up by, um, you know, by by the suppression, by the, the report that she had made to McMahon uh, to the lawyers. Constantine, had she told any of her, her friends or family or anybody contemporaneously, meaning at the same time or shortly after the alleged assaults happened in Kuwait? Did, did she tell them about it or did she complain to anybody um, before the affidavit, before anything became public about um, her allegation? Well, after after she after she uh, died, um, a lot of a lot of her former um, you know friends and colleagues came to me, and I understood that there were contemporaneous accounts. Uh, but again, it wasn't ever investigated. Um, there was some public you know light displayed on that um, through some press, but it kind of you know unlike this matter that's in the press now, the the issue of wrestlers' rights and their exploitation really wasn't on the radar. And the case was actually dismissed because it was deemed by a federal judge to be frivolous. And uh, the case also implicated CTE in that lawsuit. Many of the folks in it were died, including Jimmy Snook and Mr. Fuji and others. And they were diagnosed with chronic traumatic encephalopathy by Dr. Amalu. Um, so the sort of pervasive history of the WWE's exploitative practices was what that lawsuit was try- trying to with Ashley and all the, and there were 60 other people involved, 63 other people, um, who also, by the way, submitted affidavits that are in a federal court. And these were designed really to sort of uncover what the exploitation was. And it was, you know, essentially what they have alleged was it was a totally unregulated workplace with the chairman, uh, Mr. McMahon, micromanaging all the details. And he had particular uh, traits that allowed some of these abusive practices, I think, to continue for many, many years. And that's what she was speaking did out Ashley, against. As a- did she, sorry to interrupt, uh, did, did she ever tell anyone or share in any way um, if she had heard or seen any kinds of behavior like her being alleged by Janelle Grant? I mean, Janelle Grant's allegations are overwhelming. They, they are all the way up to, to the bar of, of criminal rape and assault and trafficking. I mean, just terrible, terrible stuff, as well as filthy, filthy, filthy communications, allegedly from Vince McMahon himself. Did Ashley Massaro ever mention anything before her death about that kind of culture? Well, this doesn't come as any surprise to followers of Vince or the WWE because the, the, the culture was toxic. So the sexual exploitation was just part of the overall control. The the wrestlers function in an in-group subculture where they're governed by a code of silence called kayfabe. And this basically prevents people from speaking out because they'll lose their job. They'll lose their livelihood. So my understanding from Ashley, um, and I, I think this was, this was well known to anybody with even a remote familiarity with the, you know, the ins and outs of the WDB. I think, I believe the allegations were that Mr. McMahon himself was commonly seen kissing the, uh, the divas in the, in the rooms and so forth. And that when she rejected his advances, um, she, you know, met the fate of many other wrestlers, which was that her career was going to come to an end. 
Um, and that's that's essentially what happened. And she but in addition to these horrific allegations that she made, it's important, I think, for your viewers to understand that the, the wrestlers have been exploited and injured for decades by McMahon. And she had uh, very common orthopedic injuries. She had very serious injuries to her neck where she had herniated discs. And this is a, this is this type of lack of any engagement with their health care, the health crisis that wrestlers are in where they suffer these horrendous injuries. And then they end up, and unfortunately, in some cases, taking their own lives. Right. Because they have they have in many cases undiagnosed. Well, and, uh, and listen, Janelle, Janelle Grant wasn't in the ring and she alleges that she was um, she, she was abused sexually with uh, with wrestling uh, toys that caused her to not just grave injury, but but bleeding. I mean, it was it, it's awful stuff like you and I have said already. Everyone has reported. It's just it's gross. Um, Constantine Kairos, thank you. Let us know if there's any developments, if anything about this most recent lawsuit, you know, revives anything in, in the past that you worked on. And um, let, let's stay in touch on that. Uh, yes, we have a petition to the Supreme Court. We'll let you know what happens. Thank you. Well, there you have it. We'll, we'll speak again. Constantine Kairos joining us live tonight on this Friday night as Vince McMahon now, today, finds himself under the microscope of the feds. Still to come, she was on the stand to defend herself from being swept up in her son's school shooting. Instead, she had to defend her sexual proclivities. What's adult friend finder? Um, so where you can go on and meet people who meet certain tastes that you're looking for. This is 429. And you had the app, Adult Friend Finder, on your phone? I do not believe I had the app. Okay, it was found on your phone. Okay, well, I guess it was on my phone. Okay. Oof, swingers, hotel sex parties. What does any of that have to do with her son's murderous rampage through a school? Turns out prosecutors say everything. Plus, why was her attorney doing this in front of the court? With a full courtroom and a judge with an eye shot. Yeah, I got questions too. Answers next. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. If you are going to get up there on the witness stand in your own trial, it goes without saying, you better have your story straight. And uh, today, Jennifer Crumbly was pretty much struggling a lot. This was her second day on the stand defending herself against charges that she bears some responsibility for her son's deadly school shooting in Michigan back in 2021. She's facing manslaughter because her son, Ethan, who was then 15 years old, killed four people, injured seven. And prosecutors say she could have stopped it. 
Yesterday was the defense asking her questions, so her own lawyer, so that's easy. But today, oh, it was a grilling by the prosecutors, because that's called cross-examination. And they asked her all sorts of stuff about her extramarital affair and an app that she used to arrange sex parties at hotels, all the while, they said, ignoring her son's desperate pleas for help with his mental health. Here's, here's how it, it went. Take a look. On November the 29th, 2021, your son filmed a 19-minute video while he was outside describing what he was going to do the next day. What time was that taken? 10 o'clock. I don't know if he got it back. I know we took um, the shooting range away and we took his gun away, so I don't know if he got it back. Now, you told this jury that when your son texted you that he was seeing demons and bulls flying off the shelves... That was in the spring of 2021. You recall that evidence, right? Correct. You don't dispute that that was on your phone? No. And you don't dispute that at some point you read those messages? No. And you don't dispute that your son said at least one time, can you please text me back? Correct. Okay. You depicted your affair with Mr. Malash as, as a um, one-time-a-week meetup at a Costco parking lot. Is that your testimony? Correct. Okay. But it wasn't just that, was it? No. Okay. In fact, there are numerous photographs sent to Mr. Malash. Okay. Yes or no? I'm sure it was. What's Adult Friend Finder? Um, So we can go on and meet people who meet certain tastes that you're looking for. This is 429. And you had the app, Adult Friend Finder, on your phone. I do not believe I had the app. Okay, it was found on your phone. Okay, well, I guess it was on my phone. You don't deny that in April of 2021, you described your son as being depressed. I didn't describe him as being depressed. I noticed that he was acting depressed. You used the word depressed. Yes, he was acting sad. He was acting depressed. Okay, and you know what depressed means? It means a lot of different things. Well, to you, it meant depressed, and you wrote that. Right. You don't deny in April of 2021, the evidence shows that your son told his only friend that he had asked you for help. No, I don't deny that. Now, you had told us that you had never taken your son to any sort of mental health profession. No. Okay. But you know to obtain the help. Correct. In fact, you have prescriptions related to that. I do. So it's not that you didn't know who to call or how to call. You didn't. Correct. Correct. Okay. You didn't know about the 9mm? Oh, I knew about it. Okay. You didn't know about the 22? I knew about them. And in fact, you posted on Instagram that he got himself a 22. Correct. In June of 2021. Correct. And from that time up until the November 26, 21 purchase, he was wanting to get a 9mm. I know him and my husband had discussed getting a 9mm. I'm not part of those conversations. Are you telling us you didn't know what was going to happen? I did not know they were going to the gun store that day, no. Okay. But you knew that you were going to... Um, eventually get him a 9 millimeter. No, I did not know that. Okay, so you're telling us that that was a surprise purchase to you? It was surprised to me that they went to the gun store that day. Okay. It was not surprising to me that they purchased a gun that day. It upset you that they bought a gun? Not, no, it did not. It upset you that they cut into your Christmas tree shopping time, but it didn't upset you that they bought a gun? Correct. You think that was tense? Uh, brace yourself for the closing argument from Jennifer Crumbly's attorney, Shannon Smith. That, you might say, really lit up the Internet because viewers called her courtroom demeanor unhinged, especially when she compared Ethan Crumbly's use of a gun to this bizarre hypothetical 
of her own kids using kitchen knives to kill people. She then called Ethan Crumbly's rants before the mass murder as goofy stuff. And, and then this was really odd. She referenced the Taylor Swift song, Bad Blood, quoting, um, on my way to court today, I blasted Taylor Swift to warm my voice and calm my nerves. And there was a line in one of her songs that summarized what this case is about. Band-Aids don't stop bullet holes. And then there was this, a full-scale beauty routine in the front of the court and in front of the judge. I, I cannot explain it, folks. I, there's the brush, hands it back. The ponytail and the winding up and the fixing and the... I'm as perplexed as you are because this is a very interesting strategy given that you're defending a client who's facing 15 years in prison. Jury's back on Monday for deliberations. We'll keep you posted on that. And coming up next, how far would you go to help somebody from way back in your childhood? Someone you didn't even meet. Someone who's been dead for almost 55 years. Well, you're about to meet a trio of very determined women who will not accept the label cold case when it comes to the murder of an old classmate. And their hunt for a killer, well, they just might be getting close and they are live with me next. Stick around. Aquarius, flower power was everything. Nixon was president and we just landed on the moon. But uh, crime and policing, that was nowhere near what it is today. The DNA, geolocation, 3D modeling, that stuff was science fiction. Cold cases were more the norm even murders. And Jan Marsh was one such case. She was 14 years old and she lived in Linwood, California. She was strangled and she was left for dead, face down on a dirt walkway, 14 years old. This was November of 1969, but it wasn't long before Jan Marsh's unsolved murder went as cold as the winter that followed. <coughs> what nobody counted on though was that Three girls from her hometown, classmates of Jan, would refuse to let a sleeping dog lie half a century later. They have spent years digging for clues, working the phones, interviewing people, getting in deep. Are they cops? Not even close. They are ladies in their 60s who took over where the cops stopped. And they have a mission to find Jan's killer. And believe it or not, they are getting close. Rose Morales, Cheryl Simmons, and Tina McKillop join me live. Ladies, it's so good to have you on the program. I cannot wait to get started. First of all, a little bird told me, Rose, that I think you're a, a fan of the Banfield Show, like you watch our program, so it's even more delightful to, to have you on as a guest. And I'll start with you right in the middle. How did you three latch on to, to this mission? Well, it started off with a social media post. There was a reunion that was going to happen, classes of 72 to 75. People were writing, um, is so-and-so going to go? Who's going? And somebody wrote, did anybody find out who killed Jan Marsh? So there was a pre-reunion party, and when we went to this party, I started asking people, well, who was Jan Marsh? Because I went to Catholic school up until the 10th grade, didn't go to public school till my 11th grade. So I started asking people, and nobody seemed to know 
who she was. And then I started talking to Cheryl, and Cheryl says, well, I delve in genealogy a little bit. Let me see what I could find. So the next morning when I woke up, she had found some newspaper articles. And the next night was the actual reunion, and we said we need to get to the bottom of this. And that's how it all started. I, I'm super curious. Cheryl, pick up um, you know, where Rose just left off with the genealogy and the reunion being the next day. Did it end up being like the talk of the reunion? And, and still, how did the three of you decide, let's band together and do something about this? Well, we had started, we, Rosie and I talked at the reunion, actually at a pre-party, and then at the reunion I said to her, we need to, we need to just do this. We need to find out what happened. So we made this pact that we would go, and then we contacted some other folks, and we met at the Norwalk Library and started looking at old newspaper um, articles about the case. And then we saw the one article about her and what had happened to her, and they actually had her body on the front page of the newspaper. And that just really, I want to say, fried us, and we decided then and there we were going after what had happened to her. So let's talk about that. Um, Tina, I'm going back to 1969, and I barely remember a thing. I was two. Um, But I do know that, you know, the, the police didn't have the tools that we have now. Do you guys... In the work that you've done, do you feel like the police were incompetent when it came to Jan's investigation? Or do you think that they just, they did the best they could with what they had? I think they did the best that they could at the time. Um, But I'm sure there were some secrets that we don't know about. Um, and, And unfortunately, there police department was taken over by the sheriff's department and and that's where she lays and nobody rose jump in here the the, now we're a different era we're half a century plus later and i can only imagine that if i were a police detective and the three of you walked in and showed me what you've been digging up over the last couple of years i'd be thrilled are they thrilled or are they looking you like scooby-doo like meddling kids like what does it feel like the, the feeling I, I had when I met the um, cold case detective was he, was he was letting us have our few minutes, but I think he thought we should be at home playing with grandkids or knitting or doing something um, useful. And I don't think he took us serious, to tell you the truth. Yeah, well, things might change now. So, Rose, like, where are you? Are you are you getting close? What are your theories? What have you What have you accomplished up till now? What do, What do you got? Well, we're continuing to. Uh, we get different leads. We've gone down a lot of rabbit holes, um, but we're just continuing to call people, and you know, some of our friends that have been very forthcoming. And or saying, you know, you need to talk to this person, or I remember hearing this, and we're just following up on on leads all the time. I mean, we've been working on this for four years. 
It's amazing. I'm just reading some of the notes about your work, you guys, and that you've been in touch with um, Jan's sister. I think this is such an incredible thing you're doing, not only for justice, but also for for Jan's family and, and her memory. Stay close, please, and let me know how the three of you do. I, I'm now hooked. I want to know the answers, and I hope you guys get the answers you're looking for. Rose Morales, Cheryl Simmons, and Tina McKillop, thank you for being on. Thank you. Thank you. That's what we all need. It's called community, looking out for each other, even when you might not know each other. Thank you, everyone, for watching back right here on Monday. Uh, some stories about the Happy Face Killer and an exclusive interview with the Happy Face Killer that's coming. In the meantime, have a great weekend. See you Monday. Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Friday. A little point of common concern before we get to breaking news. Today is National Wear Red Day. That's why I have on this resplendent red tie. What does it mean? We support you being aware of American Heart Month. Cardiovascular disease, bad for men, the number one killer of women in America. Now, later in the show, Dusty and I are going to share some personal info on how we know the pain of this problem. So be aware, take care of yourself, take care of your heart, please. Now, let's get after it. Breaking news. The U.S. has launched major airstrikes